because we have two exceptional people uh, who I suspect will have some very interesting reflections on the future of work. First up is Cecilia Tam, who is joining us from Barcelona. She's a self-made serial entrepreneur, uh, TEDx speaker, uh, highly involved in the maker movement. And also we have Mats Timo, uh, a futurist digital ferryman uh, who is in Norway right now recruiting new members to his innovation family. And I'm also here and happy to be joined by my uh, co-host in crime, <laughs> Ingrid Ötegård, joining us from Oslo. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Hello. Hey. Thank you. How are you? Good. Really excited to be here. Um, wanted to learn from you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> how's, how's the atmosphere and vibe down in Barcelona? Barcelona, Barcelona. I don't want to go into the politics, um, but the whole discourse of... <laughs> Dependencia, what we call it here, uh, is having a toll on the city. I'm not going to lie. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, how, um, you know, how there's a drop in, in terms of the influx of people coming in. So uh, if, we're, if we're talking about the future of work, Barcelona was one of these places where people, especially digital nomads, uh, had in, very much had in mind so, um, and it's, it's funny to see how these kind of little political inflections will alter uh, how, they, how people, how these digital nomads navigate and, and where they, you know, because they can move anywhere and they're very fluid uh, where they want to work and where they want to be. Well, that was a good segue into the, to the topic. <laughs> really cool. <laughs> um, I, I had one opening question, so maybe we can start there. Because uh, I, I, I have a suspect uh, or I suspect we're going to drop off into multiple uh, angles here. But um, and I, I'm sure Ingrid, uh, you also have some interesting questions for these guys. But but mine is, uh, you know, cast your mind back 15 years. Uh, what is, you know, radically different today than it was 15 years ago in terms of your your daily work life or your your work day i would say um maybe Matt. yes um, that's quite a throwback um, i think the most radical change is the gravity uh, of my work where it used to be uh, structure and i used to think a lot about structure now it's culture and I think a lot about culture. Um, it's also personally been a journey where um, it was construction work and now it's more motivation work. Uh, so in, in a lot of ways it has become a lot more fluid. Both my, the overall mission that I feel that I'm embarked upon but also the, uh, <clears throat> the, the personal approach to work itself. Uh, I used to believe in work-life balance. Now I don't believe in uh, keeping the two in separate categories. Um, mm. And uh, I think I have a continuous um, job in trying to poison my work-life with my uh, uh, personality and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, my personal psychology. And I have also... Uh, sort of an impetus in uh, trying to uh, use my, you could say, professional epiphanies, uh, my work life 
as uh, filters and uh, applications of my personal life. Mm. Interesting. Cecilia, what's, what's your take on that? And what would be your sort of uh, reflections on the last 15 years? Um, okay, so I, I actually couldn't hear the question, uh, but I'm, I'm guessing that you're asking the, the difference between 15 years ago and what's happening yeah. now. So in, on, in, in, a normal sort of, in a normal sort of work day, if you cast your mind back 15 years, how is, it diff how is your work day different today than it was 15 years ago? Um, wow. Uh, I think there is uh, one major difference between what's happening, and I'm talking on a very personal level. So um, I think 15, year, 15, 20 years ago, there was a very um, strong mindset um, of um, work being something that is given that you, you, you should do. Like if you, if you look into school, I mean, we give kids uh, homework, we give kids exams, we give them things to do. You go to your workplace, your boss gives you assignments, you, you, you're given these things, right? So this is kind of like a, a push mentality. And I think um, in, in, on my end of things, uh, it, it, had, it has changed, right? It has become a pull mentality where I'm, I'm, I myself opportunities. I myself become proactive. I look for opportunities where I have to work. So in, in that scenario, it's, um, it's uh, you know, for me, work, uh, in fact, in my workplace, we have a, a huge sign that says, we don't work, we make. Uh, and I think 15 years ago, even now, I mean, work has this connotation of like uh, something painful even, uh, something laborious, something painful, something that you don't really want to do. Um, I don't, I don't work. Uh, I worked 15 years ago. Now I, I make, I create, I I do things. So I think that's, that's the major difference between what was happening then and what, what is happening now. Wow. Okay. And just to add that uh, quickly, I mean, I didn't actually work 15 years ago. But, uh, <laughs> I was uh, starting then. And, and I started out uh, having jobs or getting these tasks that eventually turned out to be a new job. Like I ended up and when I went to university, that was a job I didn't even know existed. And in most companies, it didn't probably exist. So a lot of new kind of roles and, and, and positions have, are just emerging from uh, the new possibilities that people have to take and create in their work life. Hmm. Yeah, we actually had, we sort of touched on this, me and Matt, we were discussing earlier about the uh how 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 jobs are disappearing you had some thoughts on job creation and job job disappearing uh Mats, yeah. um, i think yeah but i definitely think there's a preoccupation with the importance of disappearing jobs it's like you measure value in how many jobs you can destroy whereas i think it could be a lot more beneficial to everyone if we could focus our energy on, on looking at uh, the jobs that we we're, we're about to uh, create and the important yeah. traits that we can purport from education and into a working life. So, but how do you bridge that gap? So, so right. a lot of the things we're seeing in, in sort of going from industrial to digital right now is we're seeing a major job loss. How do you, how do you bridge that? How do we use digital to create new jobs? Uh, by, I think by firstly doing away with the concept of disruption, which is 
to me a way of uh, moving for walking backwards into the future you I'll call it uh, because it's looking at what you can destroy in order to create value but uh, rather than seeing it more uh, independently at, uh, and and more opportunity based in what can we actually uh, what what kind of a uh, world is it that we'd like to address and how can we use concepts like uh, transparency technologies or circular uh, economic uh, tendencies to support that uh, and in the wake of that will come job creation i think not by looking at uh, where is existing value that we can destroy or uh, disrupt or uh, uh, hijack in other ways. One of the things that I find really interesting uh, about the way work is changing is the concept of spaces. And I know, Cecilia, you have a background in architecture. Um, and Mats, you work with a lot of different, both new tools and uh, companies. Um, so I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on how you see uh, both physical and virtual spaces changing the way we work. Oh God, I can talk for hours on this. So you guys are gonna have to shut me up at some moment. Me too. <laughs> um, I'm gonna start being a little bit more, um, uh, I guess, uh, theoretical in the sense that um, one of the reasons, so obviously we have seen in the last probably 10 years, there's this um, rise on spaces like co-working, incubator, accelerator, spaces like this. And this is uh, also because there's this trend of uh, open innovation. And the, the reason why open innovation has rise is because companies realize that they have been, they have a lag in terms of how they innovate, right? So if we look at, if we compare how company innovate before, they, before then they had, they would create a, a kind of internal team of um, uh, uh, research and development, R&D, and then they would have like five, 10, even a thousand people working in these internal kind of departments, right? Um, and, and it worked, like Kodak worked, uh, IBM had these departments and, and it worked, you know, uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it worked uh, really, really well. And what happened, we had this explosion of startups and all of a sudden they realized that no matter how, uh, even if they have a thousand people in these um, departments, they can't compete with the millions of startups that are exploding out there. So what they try to do is reach out to spaces like co-working. Now, uh, spaces like co-working works because for us, uh, for example, we have about 20% of rotation, meaning that constantly there's new people coming in, new projects, new ideas, new, just a, you know, a flu fluidity of um, freshness, right? Whereas companies, they don't have that uh, fluidity uh, because they, they have the structure, they have, they need that kind of stability, otherwise the company would, uh, would not work, right? So um, they can't change the way they work. What they could do is bridge the gap between uh, our way of working, which is this uh, much more on-demand, flexible, agile, you know, all these terminologies that we're using these days um, with what they are doing, which is uh, what, what, what they're good at, which is uh, stability, structure, um, even feasibility resources. So on that aspect, um, there is this difference in terms of, um, uh, functionality of co-working and the stability of companies. Um, so you you were asking about also about uh, co-working, right? So um, this kind of open innovation mentality also open up in how we 
understand these spaces. So more and more we see that uh, spaces are open because we wanted to foster communication. Uh, um, so um, when I started co-working about seven, six, seven years ago, um, I remember seeing this TEDx video about mirror neurons. Um, and uh, I'm mentioning this because I, I have a science background. I, I did biology undergrad. So um, these things really stick in my head. And I, I'm mentioning this because uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with mirror neurons, but basically, can, can I just spend like two seconds to talk about this? Yeah. But like mirror neurons <laughs> is basically, I'm so sorry. Wait, <laughs> sorry. Um, like seriously, like just shut me up because I can like literally <laughs> talk forever. <laughs> mirror neurons is this thing that they discovered in the 90s. They had this monkeys all connected with all these sensors, and there was a scientist in the other room, and the, the monkey was given a, um, a, a, a tool to open a nut. And all of a sudden, another scientist came into the room. Now, the monkey right now has all these sensors connected. The scientist could see what was happening in his brain, all the activities while he opened the nut. When the scientist, another scientist came in, the monkey dropped the tool and the nut. Um, and the scientist picked it up, and in front of the monkey, he would start to open this uh, this nut with this tool. Now, at this time, the monkey wasn't doing anything; he was just observing. Uh, what was really surprising was that in the in the in the screen of the computer, the brain of the monkey uh, was behaving as if he himself was opening the nut, uh, the act of opening the nut, even though he wasn't doing anything. So that was really re really revealing to me because just by observing. In the same space, the monkey had the same level of neuronal activities as if he was doing it himself. So this is for me really revealing because that's what's happening in co-working spaces. That the simplicity of having all these open spaces, you see other people doing all these other things, and this is also why I am so um, uh, invested in this notion of makers because when you see someone else making something physically tangible, then your brain actually gets all fired up. Um, and so uh, for me, there's like a psychological component, there's a, um, there's a theoretical component to it, and, there is, uh, this, and this is actually what we're seeing today. And the third thing I, I really wanted to mention was that um, there's also this new trend uh, up and coming. I was recently in New York. I, um, I, you know, in the last seven years, because I am in the space of co-working, I have seen a hundred of co-working spaces. And some are really nice. Some are, you know, like we work, it's fancy, it's polished, but I have never been blown away. This one, um, I'm actually really blown away. It's called uh, Assemblage. Uh, it's in New York. It's a new one. And I was blown away for one reason, and it's because it has nothing to do with the space. The okay, space, so it's, it's really like um, really industrial or... or, or... So uh, give me two more seconds and I will explain <laughs> because it was it was um, it was mind blowing to me in the sense that the founder discovered that he had uh, terminal cancer or he had some form of cancer, and uh, but he he hadn't started this project yet. It was he was a startup founder of another company. When he discovered that he had cancer um, and that it was it was really late stage cancer, he wanted to change his life. There wasn't much he can do medic with the medicine with sci like science so he looked for alternative medicine so he looked at how he can change his environment how he can change his day-to-day -day activities how he can surround himself in an environment where he could optimize his biostasis right 
Um, and he miraculously got better. I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing the story that they had told me. I, I didn't meet the founder myself. So when he got better, he decided that, well, why aren't we all living like this? Why aren't we all working like this? So he created the space where the entire space, working space is about making your internal self better. And I'm not talking about like doing yoga and like spiritually. No, no, no. The air that you breathe in, the plants that they have put in this corner, the lighting that filters in that hits your head, like every single thing in the space is thought to make your, uh, as human, as a being better. And I was like, wow, I have never seen any, anything remotely like this where it's reverse. You're not talking about optimizing work here. You're talking about optimizing the person so that they could optimize everything else. Th does that have to do with, so, so, so is that like a culture hack? What are your thoughts on that, Matt? So is, is, are we seeing, are we going into like a, a new decade where, because, you know, the whole culture, it's strategy for business, blah, blah, blah. What, what are your thoughts on culture when it comes to like the, the future of work and workplaces and collaboration? Well, hopefully one of the major transitions away from, from being machine-fitted humans to having uh, human-fitted machines all around us is that, uh, that we can cultivate uh, our premises uh, as human beings and not as uh, individuals that perform mechanistic functions uh, in an industrial setting. And I think we're at the beginning of, of that era where we have to work on the on the uh, best conditions for us as human beings, and I think it's a it's a very good example that Cecilia is giving us here from uh, from New York, and I see it also in the in the working spaces that we are part of uh, creating that it's actually conditions for human beings because you can work from anywhere, so why would you want to choose to work from here? I think that'll be the main question we'll be asking ourselves when we're when we're designing functionality into a space, it'll be it'll have to be catered for human beings and personalities because personalities will be uh, one of the most uh, coveted traits in, in in talents. It will be uh, KPI uh, artists or acrobats. It will be uh, people that are genuinely uh, genuinely themselves and have interesting uh, ways of. Uh, of engaging uh, and taking an interest in the surroundings, so we need we need our uh, surroundings to uh, support that, to support our human sides. That's a super interesting point, and I think if you look at the traditional business culture, it's been very normative in the way that you have to behave, the way you have to dress, um, and the way you interact with people. And can we expect? kind of work life to become much more diverse in the sense that you don't have to put on the business suit uh, mm. personality-wise to go to work in Your new business suit will be uh, will be you. It's much more difficult actually. It, it was We'll be dreaming our way back to when we could just put on a uniform and uh, perform duties <laughs> and we would, give, we would be given a list of what to do during the day in the morning. It would be so soothing or you could put your mind at rest. Here yeah, you have to be. Uh, you have to know who are you, and you have to be that uh, that you all through the day. Uh, now I think for uh, for the majority it'll be liberating, but uh, it will also be uh, more uh, demanding as it is uh, in these constant uh, 
uh, interactive, uh, intersocial, interpersonal relations. And I think we'll be needing both, uh, and it, it'll be different uh, according to who you are, whether you recharge with people or you re recharge uh, in your own time. Uh, and and we'll have to have spaces that can uh, that can cater for for, for both. Yeah. Diversity will be tantamount. It'll be uh, it'll be crucial. Uh, no one wants to be uh, with people like yourself for a prolonged period of time. <laughs> I, w awesome. I certainly wouldn't want to be with me. <laughs> in, extrapolated in all kinds of other individuals uh, for a prolonged period of time. And I guess it also changed, or it will require a change in management style and also the way that teams figure out how to work together. Um, there's, there was a lot of attention on the whole introvert movement started by Susan Cain and the TED Talk. Um, and a lot of companies have kind of branded themselves as being a great place to work for introverts. Um, but it, I guess it's the same for extroverts. Like, that, you need both. That's very interesting. And I was just adapted. just to add on that, Ingrid. Uh, I was just down in Cape Town. The, uh, came came back yesterday. Uh, we got to visit a seriously interesting company called Woo Commerce or Woo Themes, which was uh, now uh, was acquired by Automatic. It was actually a uh, we had the founder on this podcast um, a couple of episodes ago, and uh, he said like he was surprised when he got to see all these people he started a company with, and, and when they became a part of Automatic, which is a fully remote company how how many of them were actually introverts and didn't really enjoy uh just sitting next to each other or or being together with a whole bunch of people um so is that is that the future guys is it is it just companies based on personality or <laughs> i think we have so many virtual tools like now like slack has branded themselves as being uh, where work happens mm. um and you actually can do work for an entire day without talking to someone in real life or face to face. I, I think a lot, um, there is a trend uh, in terms of what the next kind of disruption in terms of uh, ma machines. And one of the biggest trend is the, our interactions, the UX UI uh, between us and the interfaces, right? So right now we're still very much interfacing with our cell phones, with our laptops. Uh, there is an obvious trend of migrating with voice uh, like Google Home. Um, and when that takes over, uh, what would work be like? Um, I'm already in the morning. I talk to my Google Home and I ask him, you know, what is my schedule? I don't check my phone. Uh, the Google Home will tell me my schedule. I make calls via the Google Home and ask him, can you call so-and-so? And I would talk through the speaker. So um, what would work be like um, when, when they become when the computing becomes ubiquitous, right? When there is no device in between us and them. Um, so that's another kind of like uh, projections that we can take a look at. Yeah, what would be, what would you be your thoughts on that? So, so <laughs> how, how will that look like? Where, where will it start and where will it sort of mature? Oh, um... I think that uh, what is really interesting for me, uh, interesting in the sense that it could be good and bad, <laughs> so I'm not just saying the good aspect of it, is that um, these, these, machine, these tools, the, the Google Home, the Alexa, has uh, an intelligence behind it. So they're interpreting, but they're also um, 
thinking on their own in a level where we're no longer just you know using Slack and say hello. It's more like Slack with a bot, uh, but voice recognized, right? So um, how much would it be automated? How much would they have an autonomy? Uh, and as we migrate into not just voice but artificial intelligence, uh, we're not just talking about the interconnectivity of like people, machine people, is people, artificial intelligence, and then people. So um, I don't have an answer. I, I, this is something that I'm trying to explore. In my book, um, there's going to be you know, a whole slew of new breed of um, not even cyborgs anymore because they're not on us, but like this new breed of personality. We're, we're talking about personality. Like where does the person end? And where does artificial intelligence starts? And where does the other merchant to the other end, right? Um, so yeah, all this is it's uh, a discussion that we have, I mean, we need to have now. In fact, I I I think that uh, because I totally agree that uh, technology will not slow its pace and that it'll have a huge impact. But I think uh, one of the surprising impacts it will have is that it'll free us, whether we like it or not, it'll free us to preoccupy ourselves more with humanity because machines learn to take care of themselves. That's the essence of machine learning and artificial intelligence and automation around us. Whereas previously we've had uh, a love-hate relationship with the technology as a tool. Now the tool can operate itself. So we have to operate ourselves. We have to increase our understanding of ourselves. We have to change our organizations from being mechanistic uh, control uh, based which has caused a lot of anxiety and uh, and you could say fear-based uh, organizational formats uh, other the uh, general uh, format for an industrial age uh, turning that into uh, providing rewarding psychological safety as studies show are, are the most uh, are the best and ideal uh, surrounding for a workplace that requires a much more uh, confidence based and uh, and humanly uh, shaped uh, uh, working culture, digital and, and physical. And I think it'll be st extremely interesting to, to see what the uh, progress in neuroscience, uh, progress in psychology, progress in, uh, in bettering conditions for creating these more trust-based, uh, confidence-based uh, environments will, will, what will the uh, visible physical results be? What will be uh, the workspaces that ideally uh, or that, that pose as ideal surroundings for us to create that psychological safety. I think it'll look more like a home of the past, the work of the future that we're facing, than it'll look like a, uh, a, a traditional uh, work scenario where we, we just make a trajectory from today and you have uh, work functions taking place. I have... Um... A question for you too. Um, so, some of the listeners we have on this podcast, and you know, we're we're just starting, but um, because of uh, our sort of focus with whole, the whole remotivation and and you know, b becoming a part of this new ecosystem of companies and people, and who who have who 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 basically create their own job, and you know. Um, all of us here are, are sort of one of those people who, who, who've taken some interest in some kind of area and we've created a job. Essentially, we've created a job around it, right? Um, what, if you hate, if you sort of hate your job and if anyone out there is 
pondering, hey, I, I have a really strong interest for this one field. If you, if you had to learn how to sustain an income in three months, what would you do? How would you become an entrepreneur? What, what would be some of the first steps to sort of escaping the, the normal you know, eight to five or nine to five job? And what, what, what would be some of your suggestions for how to, how to get going, how to get started? Um, should I should I start? <laughs> oh, yes. Mads, do you want? To... <laughs> um, you go ahead. No, there is no easy way. <laughs> um, so I I was telling uh, a lot of my friends that I recently decided to delegate all of my job responsibilities, all of my initiatives. I literally just left uh, everything that I have started, uh, ended all of my salary or income, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> a $25,000 loan and uh, invest in myself in writing a book, right? Uh, it's it, wow. a huge risk. It's a massive Well done. <laughs> huge risk. Uh, I am, you know, scared. But um, if I can't imagine who else would invest in me if I don't even invest in myself, right? So, mm. and, and, you know, 25,000 is, is a lot and it's a little, um, but it will get me started. And I think uh, people operate under fear because this is, in, in, if we talk about education in kids, we taught them to be obedient. We, 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 we taught them to be, to follow certain instructions. And as soon as those, um, as soon as those instructions, as soon, as soon as those things are taken away, you feel lost. And, and this is how we feel when we're in a job, right? So, um, there is no easy way except that you find the courage to like, you know, take that one step and it, it's going to be a cliff. You're going to have to borrow money. Uh, you're going to have to, you know, uh, figure out a way to make it work or not work. But at the end of the day, I have a $25,000 loan that I would have to pay back. Right. But I am investing that I have the capacity to make that money in the future to be able to repay what I want to do now. I don't know if I'm explaining <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yes. Mads, what do you think? You, you're here actually recruiting uh, or uh, have some conversation with some, some people. Mm. Uh, what... I'm liberating people <laughs> yeah. from their working lives. Uh, and charming them into uh, realizing a more fuller existence within our renovation life family. No, I think it's. I think we, we put ourselves in, in, in the shoes that we're wearing. So... Uh, a lot of people are uh, uh, hating their jobs but uh, not doing anything about it because they also uh, have accumulated uh, lots of uh, expenses. Hmm. And uh, I, to start with, I would examine what gives me great satisfaction uh, in life and then I'd focus my energy more in those directions. Um, and then I'd look at what gives me energy uh, that I can spend on uh, the uh, things in life that I I value the most, and then I'll reevaluate if I really needed all of the all of the stuff that we uh, that we acquire, uh, all of the uh, expectations uh, that we fill our lives with, trying to fulfill uh, that uh, fill our days endlessly if we are not uh, too careful, and then exactly uh, like Cecilia says, invest some of the energy i wouldn't uh, say that it normally always requires a, a, a financial investment but uh, maybe even a, a, a bigger investment uh, your 
priorities and reprioritize and and your time. And I think it's uh, important for people to take that break and uh, look back on themselves and have this out of uh, out of life experience where. Uh, either themselves or through the help of others uh, reflect on what am I doing here one of my favorite books is by Bruce Chatwin and it's called what am I doing here not with a question mark but as as a as a condition you need to put yourself in you need to uh, to ask yourself this not as a question but uh, as a reflection hmm But can that I, doesn't ex- that doesn't can, exactly answer how do you get an income from that. <laughs> I know, but uh, but if you just uh, yeah. if, you, if you just start uh, with the why, I mean, start with that, then yeah, then the rest the will follow. Can, and usually it's like um, that. It's been the, the my rule of life: uh, take one step and then then it it'll, exactly. it'll follow. Exactly. Take the first step. Um, yeah. I want to add on to what you just said. Can you guys hear me just fine? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. One of the reflections that I've had had been having uh, is that uh, our society for the last, you know, 150, 200 years, perhaps, um, has been very much focused on um, the economics of things. So the revenues, the profits, the sales quotas, the everything that we do, even if we go back in terms of education, like everything that we plan is towards making that money, making that dollar, making, you know, having that return, how to operate a business so that you can have an exit. Um, everything mm. is toward that dollar. Um, now, we are in an age where we're living in abundance, right? I mean, uh, uh, the ones that are living in developing countries anyway. Uh, you know, we waste water, we waste, you know, electricity, <laughs> we're off the food, you know, like we're living in a world where we're no longer just living in bare minimum on survival mode, right? My point is that as we're looking towards the future, as the technology is helping us scale or exponentially moving us in, in, in a very rapid rate uh, on how things are being operated, one of the things that I'm looking into is that uh, we are moving towards what I'm calling the sixth sector uh, economy, which is the machine economy, right? So mm. when, when AI, when machines, when robots are taking over and they make the money, Uh, and they make the money, you know, between themselves when humans are no longer involved in the formula mm, of money yeah, making, yeah, yeah. Uh, then it no longer makes sense for us to have this ambition of ec- economically driven uh, objectives, right? So we need to in, we need to do some soul searching, basically, is that exactly what you were saying, Matt, earlier, like, what are we doing? We can, we're not here on earth to make that dollar. We're here to, to live. We're here to have a purpose or to fulfill our, you know, whatever that drives us, our, our passion, our motivation. Um, and that is going to be a game changer. And I, I'm not at all someone who's like spiritual. I don't do yoga. I wish I do. But like, uh, but that's going to change the way we operate. And, I'm, uh, and, and I, I want to just, if you can like give me a minute and I'm going to, I, I want to share this thing in my head that like I think I, I talked to you about it Marcus last time is that this concept of what I call social train right and this is something that we we have uh, we we have been on and we put our kids on it and this social train is this train where a kids get on this train they have to make good grades so that you can go to university so that you can get good grades so that you can get the job um, uh, yeah. make the money uh, yeah. buy the house buy the car get married and ha- yeah, live yeah, yeah. happily yeah. after right You've been on this train. You've been on this train. 
we are off this train, but a lot of people are still on this train. The problem is this train no, no longer works, right? This train gets people onto this train of education to learn skills that are gonna be obsolete. Uh, they're gonna get a job that they're gonna absolutely hate. Um, it's the, it's the a train of mental, mental issues right now. That's what it's yes. becoming, right? Exactly. And to, to what? To earn the money with the job to buy the things that you don't need, uh, to mm. marry the person you're going to get divorced. And to uh, teach, teach your kids to do the, the same because that's what time. you've been doing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time on this train, you're crapping all over the earth, killing, you know, anim unnecessary animals, uh, being wasteful, not being sustainable, you know, polluting the air the whole way through. And, mm. and we need to change this. Uh, this infrastructure. We need to change the logistics. We need to change the way we operate this train and where it is heading. Thoughts, Mats? How do we how do we start? Wow! How do we derail the train? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's it's again because we live by other parameters. Um, so uh, what's really scary to me right now is because uh, everyone is still a lot of people are still hopping on this train. Uh, this is their safeguard. This is their security. Uh, this is how we, how they know of how things are operating. Um, and so, when you were asking about how do you, how do you get started with being an, uh, being entrepreneurial, being proactive, and not making that dollar, um, it's the first step is to step off that train and look back. And, and it's going to be a really hard thing to do because everyone is on this train. It's what we know how to do. Um, the very first yeah. step is to take that step. And the, the, another scary thing is that because that train is moving, we're thinking that we're progressing when that train is actually moving us backwards. So um, a lot of this is, has to do with how internally and as a society, as collectively, how we, how we change that paradigm, starting from education, starting from how we operate, starting from our mentality, our mindset, our attitude, and so on and so forth. My, mm. what, what, what was your what was your point there before we cut you off? I think my, my point being that uh, we've we've managed to make a design that's ex extremely efficient. Uh, we only didn't take into consideration which direction we were pointing this uh, because we've we put a mechanism together which is all competition based uh, and then we put up certain parameters. Uh, and we haven't really changed the uh, parameters. So right now we are, we are still working on working up a huge uh, natural deficit uh, in 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 the way in which we overexploit uh, resources around us, uh, ecologically, socially, and in, in so many other uh, respects. Mm. And we pay very little attention actually to uh, providing our own parameters and not seeing life as a competition where you uh, where you always measure. Your own value in uh, in relative uh, currencies. Um, I think we should spend more time uh, with our kids in making them confident in their own abilities and capabilities, and uh, in areas in which they find strength and energy. Uh, and th that is something that I try and pursue with my kids. I have I have. Four involuntary guinea pigs uh, <laughs> that I can test my my theories on. It's and I don't have expectations other than uh, uh, expectations for me to help provide the freedom they need to look back at themselves and uh, invent their own parameters. 
I don't want to put up any parameters for them. And whenever they do well in school, uh, a part of me is, is of course, uh, very proud. But I, uh, I try and educate them into not seeing it as a, as a competition and not, not seeing it as, as a race, uh, because uh, no one wants to meet the, <laughs> the finishing line in this race. So it can't be a race. It's a, uh, if it's it's a it's a qualitative journey and it, it's an exploration, more than anything. I think uh, that I think it's 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 flawed in the way we see life as a as a competition. We should see it as an exploration. It's it's uh, funny because when you two are talking now, my my mind is casted to um to this book I'm reading, Sapiens, which also, well, it's pretty provocative because it's, he's suggests that the whole industrial revolution has been a misery for mankind because it's um, it sort of propelled us into um, some kind of lifestyle where where it's all about thinking or pre preoccupying our minds with the future so the first farmers were, were sort of not sort of living in the moment and, and being happy they were constantly concerned about i need to make uh, X amount of excess uh, grains or excess uh, uh, supply of whatever they were farming, and so and 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 they had no free time and and uh, and sort of they brought their own kids and and actually had kids just to to make the whole thing work and and sort of the the kings and the noble people would of course um, uh, it would be a scam because they were, were were taking all the profits out of the farmers so the farmers actually had you know not that much to to go by each year and so it became this trap and and sort of the whole agricultural revolution he says uh, contrasting that to the the hunters and gatherers which people where people were just living in small tribes 50 people a max going from one place to the next and sort of just being on their um merry way um he, he thought that that was like a really well that's what he suggested in his book it's it's, it's, it's gradually become a worse condition for people just to exist and live yeah. as a part of this first the agricultural revolution then the industrial revolution and now it's sort of we're we're going into a digital revolution and perhaps um we will be liberated again <laughs> towards hunters and gatherers just in in a, in a modern way can i way. add on that um yeah. so what is uh so I, I love that. I mean, I, lo I love Homo sapien. I think it's, uh, like you said, it's, it's very provocative. Um, but if we look at what is yeah. currently happening, um, something that is pretty miraculous to me is that we are living in an age where um, we have easy access to knowledge through, uh, through internet. We have, mm. um, some of us have easier access to funding through platforms like Kickstarter. So if we if we compare to like access to funding for companies or for initiatives, uh, we have a lot more access than we do 10, 20 years ago, right? Uh, if we look at communication, we can, you know, thank God for internet, we can do do-it-yourself through Facebook, through Twitter, through, you know, if we have a good message, we have these, mm -hmm. um, we have these um, tools that we can use today. And the last one is technology is has become yeah. very accessible. So all of these things kind of add up and became um, a, a big leverage for us individuals to be able to innovate in a rate that had never 
never happened before. So for the first time in human history, looking back, you know, in, in, in the agric agricultural time, in industrial time, in, you know, this is the first time in human history where individuals and people have um, levitated an innovation power as if they, we are like companies, right? So people are doing what companies used to do. Yeah. And in fact, companies are doing what governments are doing. And, uh, and the question is yeah. like, and, and we are seeing it right now, what the fuck are the governments doing? And this is going to go in air and I don't really care, but, and you will see that now there's a, there's a collapse <laughs> in the government because they are not innovating, right? Everyone has elevated the innovation rate except yeah. for the governments. Uh, because they operate in the pace different from others. So uh, while we are, yeah. you know, having this turmoil and having all this, you know, like uh, a moment of uh, inflection and reflection, uh, but we also have the capacity to to solve these issues. And technology is helping us a lot. So it's technology is the good and bad guy. Uh, actually, they're neither the good or nor the bad guy. We are the ones that have to be able to leverage these tools to make us. Uh, reflect on what humanity is in the future. Really good segue into the conclusion. Um, it's been really great having you both on the podcast. I think we can go on for hours and hours. <laughs> uh, but we have to get back to work. Yeah, we have to get back to work. <laughs> but uh, really great to have you both here. Matsui, we will see you again uh, pretty soon. Uh, Sile, I hope we can get to meet up sometime in the in the near future. Uh, thank you both. Thank you, Ingrid. And um, we'll, uh, we'll uh, see you guys for the next episode sometime very soon. Thanks, guys. Yeah.